Hello, everyone. Kate Connick here. Welcome to Connect with Kate. This is my first ever podcast. I have one of my favorite people in the world as my guest, and we are on Skype, so I want to mention that ahead of time for sound quality. Austin, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's really good to hear your voice, Kate. So good talking to you. Um, Let me just say, first of all, it's an honor to have you on my show since you are a true inspiration to me. I think you you know this by now. Oh, my gosh. You're going to make me cry right off the bat. (laughs) This is not fair. (laughs) So for everyone who doesn't know Austin, she is an actress, producer, and she is known for Dolphin Tale and Scream. Uh, those are my two favorites. And she is also an author of her own book, The Miracle Tree. So we're going to get into a few different topics. We're going to discuss her acting in TV, on movies, and how she became an author, what inspired her, her background. So we're going to get into all of that. Um, and later on, we're going to include Teddy, her incredible husband, (laughs) he's going to be joining us in a bit because I have some questions about their relationship, how they met, how they started off as friends. It's it's inspiring to me. I am a single woman and (laughs) I know that true love definitely does exist. I've I've spent some time with with Austin and Teddy um, during my my spring break. It was last spring, and I actually call them my temporary parents because we were a temporary family. Your mm-hmm. own parents are a wonderful example of, of true love as well. And yes, a lot definitely. of the advice for my marriage I got from your mom. Can you tell me more about that? Well, something that your mom told me early on, she said, pick a man that can make you laugh because if he can't make you laugh at the beginning, he's never going to make you laugh. But if he can, everything else can be worked on. And it's so true because you need laughter. You need levity in, in a marriage because there's going to be a lot of moments where stuff gets hard and communication breaks down. But if you guys can find the joy and the humor in the relationship, that's going to make it last. Um, and she's totally right. And for us, like it was just about figuring out like chores because after we figured out how to cohabitate together, everything else just kind of fell into place for us. Um, and it's just about like not being afraid to communicate because nobody's a mind reader. So absolutely. That that's really, really great advice. And I'm, I'm very fortunate because I got to grow up with my parents who are in love and they really set a great example. And I mean, it's no joke when I, when I wanted to bring both you and Teddy on, because I, I really look up to your, your relationship and and how you started off as friends. And actually let's jump into that question. Um, let, tell me your story. Like, how did you guys, I mean, I know (laughs) it, but we've talked about it over family dinner, but for, for everyone else, could you, could you tell me how you guys met? Yes. Uh, Teddy and I are both actors and we met at, um, our theater group down here in Santa Monica, California backstage when we were both doing like a little night of one acts, um, we met backstage in the doorway and we became best friends. Um, legitimately we were best friends for seven years and did everything together. We would go on friend dates like once or twice a week, go out to movies, go to dinner. And, you know, we were dating other people during this, this whole time. Um, but he was just always my person. And eventually I caught feelings for him. And I subtly and then not subtly dropped hints for about six months and he never acted on them. So I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to do this myself. <laughs> and I just, uh, I asked him out and his response was telling me that I was brave 
And I was like, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Can we, is that a yes? And, um, that was, uh, in 2009, I think, no, no, I'm sorry, 2012. And so we started dating December 1st, 2012. And then we got married, uh, May 29th, 2016. And, uh, yeah, it, it Amazing. just, it, I actually married my best friend. So that that's truly, truly incredible because it's one thing to be attracted to your partner, but when you're on that emotional level of being best friends and you have everything in common, I mean, you guys are both actors too. That's, that's pretty incredible. Do you, um, do you ever go over lines together or rehearse together or anything oh, like that? Before every single audition. And mm-hmm. we also have to put each other on tape a lot because a lot of stuff is done digi- digitally now for auditions. So we have like our own cameras and sound equipment and lights and everything like that. And we just, we just kind of do all of our stuff together. It's, it saves us a lot of money. I can tell you that. Yeah. (laughs) I love the female empowerment too. how you're, you, you asked him out, you know, and then he's, he's the one cooking, you know, we're like switching roles and everything. I think that's, well, you're a badass, And I, and I know he, he loves the (laughs) heck out of you for that. Well, it's like for us, because we were friends first, we didn't ever have any type of like boundaries or, 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 um, uh, games that we played with, with one another. It was just about like respecting each other as genuine whole human beings. And it's something that I even said to him in our vows, I I promised him that I would always come to him as a complete person and never expect him to fulfill parts of me that it wasn't his responsibility to fill, to, to fulfill. So that's how we both have come to our relationship is that we recognize that like it's our responsibility to take care of ourselves and then to come to the other person as the best version of ourselves, and not expect them to, you know, quote unquote, complete us like Jerry Maguire, right? like right. totally ruined everybody's psychology. Right. So, um, we are just, we're both just happy, complete people because of the work that we've done on ourselves and our relationships with God and everything like that. So we, we don't expect the other person to fulfill needs in us that it's our responsibility to, to complete ourselves is the best way I can probably phrase it. That's amazing. And run me through a typical day for you. What's your schedule? Like, I mean, it must be hard. (laughs) Tell me how it works as, as an actress. And I mean, you're an author as well. We'll get into that, but what, what's a typical day like for you? Well, it, it, every single day is different when you're an actor and it's actually what's getting me through this quarantine sane because I I'm so used to the downtime because you go through huge lulls as an actress where you just, you can't get work because there's just not roles for you or they're going to, you know, Anne Hathaway or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, during a busy time, which the beginning of this year was very busy. So I would, I would wake up in the morning pretty early, try to get my workout in before the day because I don't want to like, you know, have to wash my hair and dry it and all that kind of stuff multiple times. The stuff so, you and I don't like to do as females. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it just takes so long and it's just, yeah. it's like, in my opinion, such a waste of time. But, um, so I actually have a stationary bicycle in my, in my office. So I would get up and try to do like a half an hour to an hour of cardio in the morning. Um, then, you know, I like to do my journaling and my quiet time and, and have my coffee so that I can be a sane person. And then it's like, it's hitting the ground running. So you, you know, I usually have my sides next to me as I'm drying my hair and putting on my makeup so that I'm running the audition 
while I'm getting ready. And then, you know, I live in LA, so you have to factor in an hour drive time because of traffic. And then you go to your auditions and then come back and then hopefully you've got another one coming in, which is very, uh, which was very common for me at the beginning of this year. You know, now we're in complete quarantine and thing has stopped. But also a lot of the tapes, a lot of the auditions are put on tape now. So I would be coming home and Teddy and I would be setting up the camera and taping and then editing the auditions. In addition to that, I've also spent the last few years teaching myself how to write screenplays, which I've, um, I've just sold my first one. Uh, which, you know, we'll see when we're going to shoot that um, because of this quarantine. But um, I, I spend a lot of time writing as well. I took a really cool class called the Life Hack Boot Camp that actually taught me how to work. So I know how to like dip in and out of extreme productivity and then still be able to like, you know, I, I schedule a nap in my day almost every single day because I'm apparently a toddler. Or, or Italian. So um, <laughs> I, I take a nap almost every day and I try to make sure that I'm like cooking my own meals and, and doing all that kind of stuff because I, you know, want to stay healthy and, and strong and, and everything during, um, during my, uh, during this quarantine, especially, but as, you know, just as an actor, because, you know, works like the, the hours that we work when we're on set are, you know, 12, 14 hour days. And so it takes a lot of stamina. So you have to be right. healthy to do that. Um, so, and then at night, um, I try to make sure that I'm stopping all work at about six o'clock PM because I'm an actor and because I work from home a lot, there is the tendency to always be working, but that's that not helping so for your brain. And you, yeah, you, you have to be able to, especially during this quarantine too, you have to be able to go, okay, there's going to be a set start time and there's going to be a set end time because it, Otherwise, you just you just work and, and then you're like, oh, my gosh, it's two o'clock in the morning and I'm still going. Right. And so, I think it reminds you too to to set your alarm to wake up. I mean, something I can get in the habit of doing is I don't have to wake up at a certain time. I mean, I'm I'm online with classes at NYU. But besides that, it, it's really hard to get up. So I love the fact that you really cut yourself off at, at 6 p.m. So then, you know, you're you're going to be excited in the morning, I guess, to to finish whatever you didn't accomplish. Yeah. And um, actually, I sometimes set an alarm to stop working to remind myself because otherwise, what I do for a living is very creative, and so it's it's a lot of fun, and it and it can really suck you in, and then you you forget you forget to go to the bathroom, you forget to eat, you know. So I actually work in 50 minute segments, and I set an alarm to to go off at the end of 50 minutes, and then I take a 10 minute break, and then I do that again all day long while I'm writing, while I'm illustrating, while I'm doing whatever, so that I remember to take my brain breaks, you know, and then I set an alarm to stop working that gives me the like, okay, the workday is done, shut your computer, go spend time with your husband. And then, you know, he's normally in the kitchen wearing an apron, <laughs> cooking mm -hmm. my dinner. And then we just, we, we hang out, you know, we just, we spend time together and watch television and laugh. Nobody makes me laugh harder than, than, than he does. And, um, yeah. And then we just kind of get up and do it all over again. I mean, right now during the quarantine, I just finished writing a pilot script. So I'm taking a, a, a considerable brain break because it's a sci-fi pilot and we're kind of living in the middle of a sci-fi movie mm -hmm. right now, which is a little intense. So I'm making a quilt. That's so. <laughs> and then after I finish, yeah. I mean, I, I love everything you're, you're doing. I mean, up to, 
creating a pilot and the the screenplays all the way you know the, to the smaller things of making a quilt it it just sounds like your day is planned out very well you have self discipline and and structure is important and i think i mean i think these all intertwine whether you're an actress looking to become an actor or an entrepreneur it's it's that ability to to be able to work from home and and really create that that schedule that some of us aren't able to do and i think for me just hearing you speak i'm 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 taking notes that's for sure i'm i'm learning <laughs> i'm learning a lot because you're a very happy woman it appears you're in a very healthy relationship and you're doing things like picking up hobbies in in addition to to your your work time so this is this is very inspiring to hear for sure. Well, you inspire me constantly, Kate. I mean, well, I love who else has started their own fashion line in like their early twenties. You're <laughs> Thank phenomenal. You. <laughs> Thank you. I'm I'm learning as I go. Luckily. Um, <clears throat> so, tell me how you got into acting and in the transition. So you're from North Carolina, and then you moved to to LA. Where your was your family supportive? Your friends? How did you, <laughs> how did you get into all? I mean, it's such a transition. So so tell me about that. It definitely is. I've I've been an artist my entire life. I um, I was uh, you know I drew and painted and you know sculpted and did photography and everything like that my whole life, and I actually was an art major and a political science major in college, and so I knew that I wanted to be an artist. Um, secretly, I had known since I was about seven years old that I wanted to be an actor, but I didn't know that that was like an actual career path. Um, until I was in college and I saw all the um, the acting students who were taking theater classes. And I was like, oh, wait a second. There's actually a path for this. <laughs> um, so, you know, creativity has has long been a part of my life. It's it's you know, I was winning Golden Key Governor Awards in, in middle school and, you know, winning art competitions and all that kind of stuff literally my entire life. So I, I'm used to getting artistic criticism and feedback and knowing how to take it and make, make things better, you know? But, uh, mm -hmm. so, um, I was a lifeguard as well, um, for like, I don't know, 11 years or something. And I was sitting at, um, at the pool with a friend and, and he said, I want to move to Hollywood and be a screen screenwriter. And I was like, I want to move to Hollywood and be an actor. <laughs> it was the first time I had actually said it out loud. And, um, so this was right before my, uh, the summer before senior year in college. And I decided to go audition for a play. I went to the university of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And, um, the first play I auditioned for, I got, and then I auditioned for play after play after play. And I did, I think three, my senior year in college. Um, and I was like blown away. I was like, wait a second, you guys rehearse for four hours a day. And they're <laughs> like, yeah, we have to. And I was like, this is nuts, but I did it. Um, and, um, then I, I just decided that I was going to move to Los Angeles instead of New York, because I knew that I wanted to pursue television and film. Um, I had had a bunch of theater professors, even though I wasn't in the theater department, tell me that, that my acting style was more suited towards, um, subtlety than it was towards, you know, grandeur. So they said, you'll be better on, on screen than you will on stage. I mean, I, I still do theater all the time, but, um, it was really about like playing to my strengths. So I just, uh, packed up my car and moved across the, moved across the country, like literally from Amazing. sea to shining sea and started waiting tables because it got to survive, you know? And then, uh, 
and then one thing after the other, um, I find myself now I've been here 17 years. Yes. And it's unbelievable in your, in your coaching, right? So tell me about, um, classes and, and working with students too. That is actually really, um, that's really cool. And it's a path that I never saw myself going down, but I really, truly love it. Um, I teach at the school where I trained. So it's the Ruskin School of Acting in Santa Monica. And we also have a, a theater there. And um, I teach their Meisner program um, whenever they need me to fill in. And I teach audition technique and uh, a, a class called the business of the business that I created for the students because um, I unfortunately didn't have anybody teach me these things. And I just kind of had to fall on my face a lot. So I've designed a class where I teach them all of the things that I didn't get taught and had to learn the hard way. So I, I teach them those things. Um, and it's really, it's really cool because you, um, you realize that acting is so much about just who's right for the role. It's very rarely about performance. It's, it's just about who has that essence. And that's one of the cool things about teaching is that it makes me take my my successes and failures less personally. And I love, love, love being able to like have something click for a student and then it opens a pathway into their creativity because of something that I saw. It's, it's just the neatest thing. Wow. That, that's really cool. And, and do you have any advice for people who don't live in LA who want to break into the industry or, or for students out there as a, as a coach, um, do you have anything about that? For sure. Um, if you're looking to be an actor, I mean, obviously this will be after our quarantine is lifted and we're able to like go outside and be with people again. Um, my best advice is to get involved in your local theater. Most of, most of you guys have one throughout the country. Um, there's like little local theaters, you know, especially if it's, if you live near a big city, they're almost guaranteed to have some sort of traveling local theater. Um, you can also take a lot of online acting classes. Um, you know, there's a lot of casting directors down in Atlanta who offer them. They, they offer them all around now. So you, you can have, you know, greater access to those. Um, and then, you know, read plays, read different movie scripts that you can get your hands on. There, A lot of them are online now. Um, get into class if you can find an acting class near you. That's probably the best way to to learn is to go and and like actually discover a craft that's going to give you some sort of training because when you're on set and you're working 14 hours, you need to be able to deliver the same performance at hour 14 as you did at hour one. And the way that you're going to be able to do that is by having training and having technique behind you so that you know when like, you know, the, the well is dry with one certain technique that you can be able to find another well and dig again, you know? Um, but it's uh, theater is probably the best training ground possible. Um, and then also a lot of States are offering tax credits for productions. So like Oklahoma has productions, Michigan has productions, Atlanta has the majority of them. North Carolina has it. New York, obviously Los Angeles, Washington state, uh, Utah, a lot of different States are, are giving tax credits to productions. So you can find that you can go, you know, be an extra or, Maybe you'll get like a little one-line part or something. Louisiana has a ton of productions. Texas, um, 
so looking into sort of the local opportunities that exist for for actors out there because they have to every production has to hire a certain amount of actors that are local hires which means that they are like actually living in that state in order to meet the uh, requirements to get the tax credits so there is going to be a lot of opportunity for people who are just starting out to like you know get that little walk on one line or you know be an extra and understand how a, how a film set works so look into those local opportunities and a lot of these places also have local agencies so you can you know, maybe after you've taken a couple of acting classes and, and done a few plays, you can start to put together like a little body of work. And then you can go to these agencies and say, hey, can I do a monologue for you? I would really love to be represented by you. Wow, that's really amazing advice. That that helps me a lot, actually, as as an <laughs> aspiring as an aspiring actress. <laughs> Um, and well, then, you're my temporary daughter, so you can come live with me anytime. Yeah, I'll just come right to you and, and live. There. I wish I was in quarantine with you. <laughs> Not oh, that man, we'd be eating so much good food. That That is true. <laughs> it's Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then tell me about your book. So The Miracle Tree and, oh, and yeah. how that came about. I mean, it's just truly incredible. So I, I want everyone to know about this. <laughs> um, it's a it's a place that I never, ever saw myself going. Um but it married my uh, artistic, you know, drawing with also my creativity as far as like writing and everything. So it was it was something that um, it, I, I, it's, it's difficult to put into words if you can't tell by my stammering. But um, so through the movie Dolphin Tale, which you mentioned earlier, which is how I know you. Um, yeah, I, I should have uh, mentioned that. That's how we know each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have gotten to be a... Um, a spokesperson for the Clearwater Marine Aquarium where we filmed down in Florida. And their main function is as an animal hospital and as a, an inspiration for children and people all around the world going through some sort of trial or struggle. And so myself, Cozy Zolsdorf and Nathan Gamble, we go down there several times a year and we work with um, special needs kids, kids that are going through chemotherapy, kids that are, you know, experiencing their ninth heart surgery and, you know, you, you name it, we, we have seen it. And so we go to the children's hospitals a lot to interact with them and sort of break up their day and, you know, try to make them smile and give them a, a plush winter doll or whatever. And upon one visit, we visited this one little girl and we couldn't go into her room because there was something called a droplet issue where, you know, we could infect her or she could infect us. So we had to just kind of wave by the door. And when this little girl turned around and looked at me, it was like looking at my baby pictures. I could see that she had the same thing that I had when I was a little girl. And I had never told my coworkers about this because it didn't really strike me as like something that I should share. Cause it was just kind of like, Oh yeah, that's my childhood. But so I said to her mom, does she have post-orbital cellulitis? And her mom was like, are you a doctor? And I was like, no, I had that. And her mom just burst into tears and she was like, oh my gosh, you're alive. You survived. Like your face isn't deformed. Like you're totally healthy. And I'm like, yeah. And it just never really occurred to me that this thing that I had gone through could help inspire somebody else who was going through a difficult time. And in this case, it was somebody who's going through the exact same thing that I had had. And we left that room and my, my coworkers were like, wait, what is this story? And so I, I told them that when I was two years old, it was right at Christmas and I had had, I had gone down for a nap at my babysitter and I woke up an hour later with my eye swollen shut and purple. And my mom 
took me right to the doctor and they said, you know, please don't stop here. Go straight to the ER. Your daughter could die. My mom's like, what? And, um, so it turned out I had this really aggressive case of something called post-orbital cellulitis that kids can just catch. It's not anything, you know, you're not like, oh, well, she went and like swam in that muddy pond and that's why she has this. No, it's like, it's something that you can just catch like a, a, a cold almost. And, um, I had to do an emergency life-saving surgery and the doctors gave me a 50, 50 chance of surviving through the night. So my dad being the strong man of faith that he is went down to the, um, Christmas tree at, in the children's ward. And he prayed and he said, God, if you save my daughter's life, I promise I will come back with my family to this tree every single year to say thank you. And I survived obviously. And we actually have not missed a, uh, a single year of going to visit that tree in 36 years. It's and I can't get over that. <laughs> it's my dad loves, loves me loves all of his kids a, a lot, a lot, a lot. So when I told my coworkers this story, they were like, you have to share that. And it gave me the idea of writing a book to specifically help children that are going through some sort of medical trial or whose parents are, grandparents are, you know, a lot of kids have to go to the hospital and it can be a very scary place. So I decided to write the miracle tree to help, you know, help kids basically through any of these, any of these hard times. And I illustrated it and it took forever. And I was very fortunate. And it's to... really good. Very good. <laughs> it, uh, it got published almost one year ago. We're, we're coming up on the, uh, on the publishing anniversary and, um, congratulations. Yeah. And that's, that's really huge. Thank you. Thanks. Well, and, and where can we find your book? Um, through the miracletreebook.com. It has all of the, the vendors listed. Um, you can get it actually, uh, cheaper if you buy it directly from my publisher. And then, um, something cool that she does is that if you wanted to have me, um, sign it and personalize it to you, she will actually ship them to me at no cost to you. Um, and then I will sign it and then we'll send it out to you. That's really cool. And you're, you're changing so many lives. And I mean, I can't, I, I did a little bit of work at Blythdale Children's Hospital and when I was in high school and that's, um, that's in New York. And that was, I mean, so eye opening to me, like the young children and, and what they had to go through. And, and I'm sure just having someone like you as an inspiration to so many, um, doing what you're doing, I, I can't imagine how that's going to change so many lives. So I'm really proud of you as your friend and temporary daughter. <laughs> oh, thanks, Kate. It's, it's, it's something that we don't really think about how many people are living every single day with chronic and invisible illness and, you know, meeting a lot of these people and having them become honestly, some of my closest friends has been such a life-changing experience. And we just realize how much we take for granted that we right. don't have to go to the hospital all the time for infusions to keep our bodies alive. You know, it's it, so true. Absolutely. I mean, every night when we sit down to the dinner table, especially Lately, we're like, thank you for every part of bringing this food to our table because right. so many people right now don't have that. Right. Well, I appreciate you and, and all you're doing and, and you're full of surprises. I, I never really know what's coming next, but <laughs> it's, it's always good stuff. So I would definitely say you're an entrepreneur and, and it's incredible and you just continue to grow and flourish. And I'm just honored to have you as my first guest on Connect with Kate. Kate, it means the world to me. I just, I, I absolutely adore you. You know that. 
this is an insane time that we're living in. It is. It is. Well, wow. I'm grateful for, for positive people like you. So keep spreading the love and thank you for coming to connect with me today. I love you. I love Thanks you for too. having me. Thanks, Austin. <laughs> <laughs>